Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This man was a bona fide scrub. He can't play. This thing has dumpster fire written all over it. Now their fat little girlfriends have some obvious advantages. Bro, what are you talking about, man? Thanks for the hot take, Ooh. Andrew. You should have your own show. Welcome to episode 119 of the South of Sandy Podcast. I'm Andrew Zimmel, your host as always. We have a jam-packed show for you. We have a lot of... NFL and college football news, but first I want to start with the NBA. We're going to kick off the show with that, and then we're going to get into uh, the games of the weekend that I have scheduled and some of the highlights that we should be looking for, especially in college football. This is a big weekend in college football, and no, it's only like week three, week four of college football for a lot of these teams, but this is really where the college football season begins for a lot of these guys. Conference play starts. If you were a team that lost a game, a non-conference game, this is really the chance that you have to prove to the college football voters, to prove to the bowl committee that, hey, we can hang, give us a good bowl game, right? So this is really where it starts for a lot of those teams. But first, the NBA news. Two big things. The first one dealing with Doc Rivers, the second one dealing with Steph Curry. We're going to get into the Doc Rivers stuff first. Kind of a tidbit, not really that that big of a deal, but it's kind of interesting. So Doc Rivers came out today, kind of gave a – a little bit more open interview than I think we've expected from him. Something that we haven't gotten from a lot of head coaches in a while. I think he was talking to the LA Times. And he said that LA knew, the Clippers knew, that OKC wanted to break up the band. That OKC was looking to move some pieces, was looking to you know send some guys away. Here is my suspicion. And he talked a little bit about how Austin Rivers was the guy that was saying, like, hey, listen, you know, we if we trade for... Or Paul George, six picks. It's a lot of picks. But if we trade for Paul George, we're for sure 100% getting Kawhi Leonard. So imagine it's splitting up three and three. You're sending three first-round picks for Kawhi, three first-round picks for Paul George. That's a lot, I think, better of a trade. I think that's more of a uh, malleable trade. or some A palatable trade, that's what I'm trying to say. Something that is going to be a little bit easier for Clippers fans and the front office to swallow moving forward. So... They trade for Paul George, but they knew beforehand, before trading for Paul George, that OKC wanted to break up that court. They wanted to send some pieces away, which leads me to put my conspiracy hat on, put the tinfoil hat on, and let's get into this a little bit more. So if the Clippers knew that they wanted to break up the band, nine times out of ten, I'm willing to bet and gamble that every other team in the league knew that they wanted to make a trade, that the OKC was looking to either move off Paul George, uh, Russell Westbrook, Steven Adams, their young core that they've kind of already built together. They knew that they wanted to move off those guys. So why didn't they earlier? Slash why was Paul George the first guy to go? And it comes down to, I think what happened was they knew that they weren't going to win with Russell Westbrook, that you knew you couldn't win a title with Westbrook being your best player and with Paul George being the second best player. And I know this is a hard fact for a lot of NBA fans, a hard fact for a lot of guys to accept, but Russell Westbrook, I love the dude, but he's not the guy that you need to win a championship. Charles Barkley, kind of in the same vein. 
where very good player, Hall of Fame player, he can't be the best player on a championship team. Patrick Ewing, great player, Hall of Fame player, all-time great Nick. He wasn't good enough to win a championship by himself, wasn't good enough to build a championship around him. Now, both those guys are big men, both those guys are post players, both those guys are guys that are going to bang down low. Ironically enough, I put Russell Westbrook in a similar category. Westbrook is a guy who's going to get banged up a lot, is going to go down to the rim, is going to fight five defenders to get to the hoop. Okay, You can't win with that guy in the league. We didn't see Iverson do it. We haven't seen a lot of guys be able to do it. The guy that has to have the ball in his hand by the rim. It's not 1997 anymore. It's not 2005 anymore. It's not even 2010 anymore where you can have a guy like Pau Gasol or Marc Gasol or Tim Duncan lead you to the playoffs and potentially win you a title just on a big man. Can't happen anymore. And Westbrook falls in that same vein in a broader sense of a guy that you can't win a title with. Now let's go over because we're done crapping on Westbrook. Let's talk about Paul George. This dude was good enough, in my opinion, to win you a title in 2012 and 2013. But the minute he broke his leg was the minute that everything went away. The minute that he broke his leg, we no longer had Paul George, the guy that was going to be the next great player in the Eastern Conference. Took him two years to rehab to get to the same physical point. But mentally, I'm watching these playoffs games. I'm watching him play in the regular season big games. He's not there mentally like I think he should be. He's not there mentally like he should. you expect a player of his caliber to be. So now you got a guy who has all of the intangibles, all of the game, right? He's got the game to win you big games, but it's not happening. Okay, it wasn't going to happen for Paul George. He in, in OKC, he wasn't a good enough player to be the second player. So now you got a guy in Westbrook who isn't good enough to win you a title by himself, and you put him with a Robin who mentally isn't strong enough to take over when Westbrook has a bad game. And I knew that this whole thing wasn't going to work when Dame hit that shot over Paul George, and instead of saying, I own up to it, that's my bad, he called it a lucky shot. And mentally, those are for weak players. Okay, mentally, a strong player, a great player says, hey, I'll be back here next year. We'll see what happens. Right. Like that was my guy, my mistake. But he called it a lucky shot. And the minute that you start calling NBA players shots lucky or calling those type of shots, you know, wouldn't shouldn't have gone in, wouldn't have gone in. I played the defense right. The minute you start making excuses for yourself is the minute that I'm going to sell all my stock in you. So I sold all my Paul George stock at the end of the season. I don't want it anymore. This is, leads me to an excellent point where I'm well, The reason I'm going here is that I've talked myself into the Clippers and out of the Clippers at least 100 times since July 5th. Okay, I've said I think that this Clippers team is good enough to win a title. Then I've thought, well, they got Paul George and Kawhi as their two best players. Both those guys are very injury prone. It reminds me a lot of those teams in the late 90s. Uh, the Stockton to Malone team especially, where you have two great players playing next to each other, but are injuries going to hamper these two? Is that what's going to prevent this team from winning titles? Because in the NBA in 2019 and going on to the 2020s, what we're going to look at is we're going to see these great players, these generational talents teaming up. The tampering rules that are coming into effect, the NBA really wants to hammer these tampering rules. When something actually happens, we'll talk about it on this podcast, but for right now, it's just all hearsay. Okay, There's nothing new to talk about for the tampering rules. But when you look at a guy like Kawhi and Paul George, both those guys, generational talents, both those guys uh, right now at the peak or at the end of their peak, it's playing together. 
And the reason that Wade and LeBron didn't win more titles, the reason that the big three in Boston didn't win more titles, is the reason that great players end up leaving a couple of rings on the table, and it's injuries. We don't get a LeBron, we don't get a Michael Jordan, we don't get a Kareem Abdul-Jabbar or Tim Duncan very often. Generational talents, okay? Those are once-in-a-generation talents. Kawhi and Paul George both fit the mold for being great players. Great two-way players. They do everything you want in isolation. They can play in a system. Doc Rivers is going to have them playing really good defense. Paul George and Kawhi both do a really good job of playing defense. So they fit the system. They fit the prototype that you want for a superstar player in the NBA. But the problem is right now is that both those guys, I cannot guarantee you are going to play 75 games. Both those guys, I cannot guarantee you are going to play 70 games. And that is where I see the fatal flaw in this team. That there is a chance that Kawhi goes down with a leg injury in game 55 of this season. And he can't play for a sh an extended period of time. Let's say he misses the first round of the playoffs. I can't promise you that Paul George is a good enough player. And I know you're going to hate me for this take. And I know that I'm going to get a lot of pushback because the season hasn't even started yet. We're talking all this NBA right now. I, I'm going to tell you right now that I can't promise you that he's going to be able to play good enough basketball to win the Clippers games if Kawhi Leonard's not there. Lou Will, great player. They've got a good young core together. They didn't have to trade any of those pieces, or they traded very few of those pieces away this offseason to bring Kawhi and George in. But I'm not sold that if it comes down to it and George is the only player you have, that he can win you basketball games. All right, let's move on to Steph Curry. He says that he wants to play in the Olympics. This is I mentioned the last segment was going to be short. It went a little longer than I thought it was. Steph Curry, he says he wants to play in the Olympics. I don't buy this at all. What he's essentially saying here is that if the Warriors don't make the Western Conference Finals, then yes, I will play in the Olympics. But if the Warriors go to the Western Conference Finals, if the Warriors play in the NBA Finals, I don't see it happening per se. I don't think that this is a team good enough to beat out the Clippers, the Lakers, the Nuggets, the Jazz. I don't I don't know if they're good enough yet. Again, no games have been played. Going off of gut. But if they make the Western Conference Finals, if they make the NBA Finals, Steph Curry will not be playing in the Olympics. I hate to break it to you guys, but he's not going to be playing in a game where not a lot of money is involved, little to no money is involved when it comes to comparing their contracts and their endorsements. And he's got two surgically repaired ankles I'm not buying that he's going to be playing on Team USA in 2020 this is not going to happen I think the Warriors are a good enough team to get in the Western Conference Finals if they get to that level then maybe it happens but I don't think that they they're not good enough he's not healthy enough I should say that if they make it that far he's not going to he's not going to play in Team USA so moving on to the NFL Two big storylines coming out of the Southeast for the NFL. I thought this was kind of interesting. So Josh Rosen, the Dolphins announced Thursday that he is going to be the starting quarterback for the Dolphins. I don't know what's happening in Miami. It doesn't make any sense, the moves they made. They signed Taco Charlton from the Dallas Cowboys, who the Cowboys cut inexplicitly for nothing. They gave this first-round talent away for absolutely zero in return. And... I don't know if he was just a detriment to the locker room. I don't know if he couldn't even make the practice team. I don't know if they shopped him around and nobody wanted him. But the odd, the idea that you're giving away a first-round talent 
for nothing in return. Doesn't seem like a smart move if you're the Dallas Cowboys. I get it. The Cowboys aren't focused on getting draft picks. They're not thinking about what can we get for this guy. They're focusing on can we pay Dak? Is Zeke going to stay out of the news? Can Amari Cooper stay healthy? Can Randall Cobb get any separation at all? And how is Jason Witten still suiting up in this locker room? Okay, those are the things that they are focusing on right now. I don't think Stephen Jones, I don't think Jerry Jones, I don't think that front office is making phone calls trying to trade Taco. And that's just a fact. Dolphins sign him. They make Josh Rosen the starter. I am all sorts of confused about what the Dolphins are doing at this point. Because you bring in a first-round talent Taco. I don't think that he's great. I've never been on the record thinking that Taco is the next great linebacker, next great defensive player in the NFL. Okay, That's not the hill I'm dying on. I will say that Rosen starting raises a lot of questions to me. A, you trade one of the best left tackles in the football game in the professional league to the Texans. Now you're starting a young quarterback. Why? You're trying to get Josh Rosen hurt? I'm confused. The other thing is, too, are you starting him so you can get game film, so other teams can get film on him so that you can flip him later on? Because if you are, why didn't you call Jacksonville? Why didn't you call Pittsburgh? Why didn't you call these teams that are uh, New Orleans? Why, why didn't you call these teams this week and say, hey, you don't have a quarterback anymore. Let me trade you our guy. Let me trade you this young guy that we gave up a couple first for to send send him your way and see what happens. Okay? I don't know why you're starting him. Honestly, this seems like a recipe for getting your guy hurt. This is a recipe for ruining a young player that doesn't need to be played right now. I don't buy it. Speaking of ruining young players and speaking of just wasting away talent, Jalen Ramsey says, or his agent says, or somebody around his camp says, that he expects to get traded in the next 10 days. Well, Jacksonville plays Thursday night. I don't have the results yet. We're recording this during the game. But I don't I don't get it. It doesn't make sense to me that Jalen Ramsey, why are we suiting up at all if we're Ramsey? If we're Ramsey's camp, why are we not saying, hey, we need to sore neck, rough shoulder, bum knee. I can't play this week. Because if you play, this is how you get injured, ladies and gentlemen. This is how you get hurt if you are an athlete at any level. From kindergarten to high school to college to the NFL, this is the number one way to get hurt is not going 100%. If you're going 70%, if you're going 75% and the guy across the ball from you goes 100%, that's when you get hurt. You get hurt when you're halfway in, halfway out. If you think that you're not going to play the next down, if you think that you're going to come off the field the next play, then that's when you twist your ankle. That's when you mess up your knee. That's when you hurt your shoulder. Okay, so Ramsey playing on Thursday night, Ramsey playing at all, still showing up to Jacksonville, is a recipe for disaster. And I've said this from day one. The minute that you're a professional athlete and you ask for a trade or you request a trade, you sit your ass on the bench, you get away from the team, and you're on your own. Okay? With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. 
Now, if you're Le'Veon Bell last year and you say, I want a contract extension, they say, we're not going to give it to you. You sit out. That's a little bit different. But when you request a trade for their sake and for your sake, you sit out. Earl Thomas, prime example of this. When you knew that you weren't going to re-sign with Seattle, when you knew that you weren't going to play another snap for Seattle at the end of the season, and I get it, you're in the locker room, those are your guys, that's your team, you break your ankle, you lost a lot of money. Jalen Ramsey, suiting up at all, knowing that he's going to get traded in the next 10 days or 10 or less days. Not a good look, that's how you get hurt. So Rosen and Ramsey, both, I got big question marks. Why are you walking out there? All right, for Rosen's sake, maybe for the benefit of the doubt, maybe Miami thinks that the talent on the field, that the talent that they have is better than anticipated. Maybe they think like, okay, we got rid of Mika Fitzpatrick. Uh, send him to Pittsburgh. Okay. Let's see. Let's see. Let's see what we have now. Is Rosen a good enough offensive talent to lead us to the playoffs? No. Is he good enough offensive talent to make us a title contender? At this point, no. Is he good enough player to trade for a first round, a couple first round picks later on? Maybe. And I think that's what they're doing here. I think they're just trying to get some game film on him. But both of these guys, big questions. I don't understand. Do not get it at all. So we're going to talk about the NFL game of the week that I have. Then we're going to get into college football. That's going to end the show. So first thing first, the Cleveland Browns have been very inconsistent up until this point. They played a Jets team that did not have a quarterback. They didn't have Sam Darnold. I think that it was kind of a walk-in-the-park win for the Cleveland Browns, but, and I said this before and I'll say it again, when the microscope is high on you, when you have the micro the microscope on you, that is when we really nitpick. That's when we really pick apart your team. So the Cleveland Browns, they trade for Odell Beckham Jr. They've got Jarvis Landry. They've got the most electric quarterback in the league in Baker Mayfield. Like the most, not electric, I should say, the most polarizing quarterback in the league in Baker Mayfield. And you got to ask yourself, is this team good enough to compete for an NFL title? And I've said again, I'll say it, again, I'll say it before, I'll say it again. I don't think that this is a team that's going to win the title this year. I think they're a year away from being a year away. When you talk about the Cleveland Browns, I think they're a year away from being a year away. So two years from now, they'll be a title contender. But in the moment, I'm not not sold. So they play the team that went to the NFL championship or the NFC championship game last year. They play a team that had one of the most dynamic offenses in football a year ago in the LA Rams. Now, this team has been up and down. I'm not completely sold on their offense just yet. They seem to have a lot more, I, I'm not going to say deficiencies, but I'm going to say hangups than I thought that they would have. This is the LA Rams team that brings back essentially the same group. They bring back Cooper Cup off injury. They still got Brandon Cooks. They still got uh, the Todd Gurley. They got they got pieces, and it just doesn't seem like they have really clicked on all levels yet. And that would make me nervous if I'm a Rams fan. But if I'm a Browns fan, I I like this. That this is the game. This could be a statement game. If you beat the Rams by two touchdowns, touchdown and a half then I think that that propels you back in the conversation for Super Bowl contention. I think right now the power rankings have Baltimore, a team in your division, ahead of you. I think that the Patriots have looked good, but they really haven't played anybody yet. So if you're a Cleveland Browns fan, this is a big game. I think that this Rams game is going to be a real testament to see how dynamic you are defensively. 
offensively, it's going to be tough to get the ball off with the type of defensive backs that the Rams have, to get the ball off with Sam Darnold coming after you, at a, or um, uh, Aaron Darnold coming after you after every single snap. Okay, If you're Baker Mayfield, film this week has been tough to watch because this guy is just relentlessly coming after quarterbacks. He eats quarterbacks up for lunch. So I like, I like the Browns in this game. I think that the Browns win this game. It's the game's in Cleveland. I think that the Sean McVay uh, hangover is going to last for another one or two weeks before he finally gets everybody clicking and everybody pulling in the same direction. The Super Bowl hangover, we talk about it a lot for teams that win the Super Bowl. Uh, the Super Bowl hangover, it's really tough, but when the Patriots win the Super Bowl every single year, the hangover kind of goes away relatively quickly. The teams that make it to the Super Bowl, this is an interesting fact, the teams that make it to the Super Bowl, I'm more worried about the team that loses than the team that wins at this point because it seems like the team that wins the Super Bowl always comes back uh, invigorated, having a good group together. Like the Eagles last year, there was a team that was an injury away again of kind of making a statement in the playoffs, right? Like if, if we have Nick Foles, if we, if we have Carson Wentz starting those games for the Eagles going in the playoffs, I think that something happens. But because it was Nick Foles again, you can only have so much magic in the lamp. The Patriots again this year. Go to the Super Bowl, or I'm sorry, last year. Go to the Super Bowl, lose the Super Bowl, kind of have a little bit of a hangover. They make it back, and they just game plan really well for the Rams. I'm looking at the Rams, and the Super Bowl hangover looks real for them. They don't look nearly as impactful. They don't look nearly as you know explosive as I thought they would coming into this season. All right, let's move over to college football. Number 11, Michigan. Number 13, Wisconsin. This is the game that a lot of people are calling the game of the week. Uh, this is a big game because if Wisconsin, and we're just going to kind of go over these kind of quickly, if Wisconsin can get Jonathan Taylor moving on the ground, I don't see a way that they'd lose this game. They're at home. They're hosting Michigan. Michigan is historically bad against top 25 teams on the road. John Harbaugh or Jim Harbaugh needs to figure it out before he loses his job in Michigan. He is a middle-of-the-road coach right now in the Big Ten. That's not good. That's not a good look for one of the most experienced, one of the most high-profile coaches in college football. Not to play in the college football playoffs again this year would be, I think, a big pockmark on his career. So if Michigan can stop Jonathan Taylor, they have a really good shot of winning this game. I don't see them stopping Taylor. I think Taylor runs for 200 yards and at least two TDs, and I think Michigan loses this game. Uh, and again, like that, there goes their playoff options because, as I mentioned at the top of the show, this is the first week that we're actually getting some conference games. This is the first week that there are big matchups with playoff implications. And the next matchup has big playoff implications for one team. The other team, I think, is already out of it. Auburn at Texas A&M. So A&M already opens up as a favorite because it's at Kyle Field. And I don't know a team in the country outside of Clemson that can go into Kyle Field and beat the Aggies. I think every team in the, in the country would be a underdog against Texas A&M at Kyle Field. That's how much I, I that is how much Kyle Field of a of a momentum shift that it is. So Auburn comes in, and Bo Nix has had a very good season so far. Three games in, he's already got a couple touchdowns. He's done a pretty good job of controlling the ball, and Auburn has done. A fair job. I'm not going to say a great job. A very good job of controlling the tempo of these games. 
A&M on the other side of the ball, I'm not in love with their defense. I know people have talked about this being the best secondary Texas A&M has had. I know people have talked about this being one of the better defenses, unit defenses that Texas A&M has had. But I'm not in love with their defense. And I was talking to some guys at A&M, and they all said that never, never, never think that A&M should win games that they should win, right? So the, the, what they mean by that is that if it's a for sure thing that A&M should win the game, there's always a hint that they might lose. And I know that sounds very fanny. I know that sounds very, oh, that's just, you know, the suspicion. That's just the, the uh, negativity of A&M fans who have been burned a handful of times at Kyle Field. But I hold out a little bit of truth here because I think A&M wins this game. I don't think they win by a lot, but I think they win this game. And I think that it's a game that they potentially could blow. Auburn is a very good team, but I have Wisconsin ending Michigan's hopes at the college football playoffs. I have Texas A&M ending Auburn's hopes at the college football playoffs. The SEC is very interesting this year because between LSU and Georgia, which we're going to get to in a second, and Alabama, there is three legitimate teams that could end up winning the SEC this year and contending in the college football playoffs and probably winning the college football playoffs. But if all of these teams kill each other before they get to that point, it's going to be very hard for me to see two SEC teams make it to the football playoffs if they both have if they have two losses. Okay, they're not going to put a two-loss team in there. So if Alabama beats LSU but loses to Georgia, they're out. If Auburn finds a way to beat LSU and then LSU beats Alabama, well, now all those teams are out. None of those teams are going to make it. So there is a chance, and I don't think that this is going to happen, but I just want to put it on the record. There is a very good chance that we get a situation in the very near future where an SEC team doesn't get in the playoffs because the entire conference ate its young and the entire conference beat each other up, and they're not going to get to that point. Now, outside of those three teams, Georgia, LSU, and uh, Alabama, we'll throw Auburn in there. We'll throw A&M in there just for giggles. But out of those teams, the rest of the conference is really bad. And I don't anticipate any of these teams losing to a bad Tennessee team or a very under-manned uh, Florida team. I don't anticipate any of these teams losing to those type of teams. However, the top of the league could beat each other up to the point where they're not going to get in. So I just wanted to throw that out there. Number seven, Notre Dame goes to number three, Georgia. That is the game of the week. I have Georgia winning this game because of two players, DeAndre Swift and Jake Fromm. I think Jake Fromm is going to be very good, not only in college, but in the NFL. I really, really, really do think that of the quarterbacks in the league right now, Trevor Lawrence, of course, is the golden boy. Everybody really likes Trevor Lawrence. But I really do think that Jake Fromm has a chance to be the best quarterback coming into this draft because he's a winner. He's won everywhere he's been. At Georgia especially, he has been a godsend for that program. Kirby Smart should be thanking his lucky stars every day that Jake Fromm walked onto that campus because he is a king killer. Like This dude is legit. There is no reason that he shouldn't have a national title except for the name Tua Tungvaloa. Okay, that's the only reason that he doesn't have a national championship next to his name. He's not going to win a Heisman. There's not enough hype around him. Georgia's not been a successful enough program while he's there for the national media to give him the credit he deserves. But I think that this is going to be a statement game. I think that this is a game that Georgia beats the cat piss out of Notre Dame. And this is the Notre Dame thought that they deserved to be in the college football playoffs last year. Georgia thought they deserved to be in there. Now you get to figure it out who it is. Granted, it's a year later. 
But this is really, I think, the rematch that we wanted. This is the matchup that we wanted to see. We want that six-team, that five-team playoff to have one play-in game to figure out who gets in. This would have been the game that we would have had last year. We would have had Georgia and Notre Dame playing for that fourth spot. So I like Jake Fromm. I like DeAndre Swift. I think that they're going to run away with this game. I think Georgia just demolishes Notre Dame in this game. And I don't think that this is going to be the game that's going to propel Jake Fromm ahead of all those other guys into the college football Heisman contention. Jalen Hurts, we didn't talk about Oklahoma this week, but he has been lighting it up, and it makes me sick to my stomach that Lincoln Riley is going to have a third guy invited to New York in three years going to try to win a Heisman Trophy. I don't understand it. If I'm a young quarterback, and this is a, this is a PSA to all the young quarterbacks that listen to the podcast. I don't know how many there are, but I'm, I'm letting you know that if you're a young quarterback, high school quarterback in America, and Lincoln Riley shows up to your living room and says, I want you to be the starting quarterback of Oklahoma, know for a fact that that is not going to happen the first three years you're in school. You're going to get registered one year. Your registered freshman year, you're probably not going to start. Your registered sophomore year, you're not going to start. And maybe your junior year, you get a chance to compete for the starting spot. But you're not going to get a starting spot. You're going to have to sit in the wings while this dude just continues to go get transfer quarterback after transfer quarterback after transfer quarterback and turning them into Heisman winners. Maybe you get lucky. Maybe you're in the system. Maybe you are able to, you know, spend a lot of time in Norman, Oklahoma, and you really enjoy that spot. But you're going to have to sit in the wings. Maybe you get to become and develop into one of the best college quarterbacks of all time. Maybe you get really annoyed and you say, why am I here? There's no reason for me to continue to sit in the wings. Let me go start at any other school in the country if Lincoln Riley's talking to me. I don't get it. If I'm a young quarterback, I don't want to go to Oklahoma. So... That's that. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast. Sunday is going to be a very important day. We're going to have a lot of NFL games going on. Uh, Texas State, I'm going to throw this in here at the very end. Texas State plays Georgia State. This is potentially the only win that Texas State might have on their schedule. I don't know how good Nickel State is. So one week at a time, whether they say in Austin, 1-0 one, one is the mentality. I, I really do like this team that they're putting on the field this week. The offensive line has been horseshit. They need to figure that out. The quarterback play has been really bad. They need to figure that out. Jake Spavadon needs to figure it out. What What is he doing on the offensive side of the ball? I don't know if he needs to take the play sheet and start calling plays yet or what, but that's your little update on Texas State football. I know a lot of you guys have keep up with this. So I cover the team. I'm around the team all the time. Every Sunday is a different day. Every Sunday is really rough for me to look in the mirror and cover this team. So hopefully they figure something out. Hopefully they move forward and they figure this out. But for the most part, I don't know. I don't know. Thank you so much for listening. Please continue to send this podcast to all the corners of the internet, all the corners of the world, because I think it's a pretty good one. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.